had a conversation, I think it was at a Denny's right outside of John Wayne Airport, and this is how foolish or how um, overconfident I am. I just I said, listen, we're gonna get married, but we're not engaged, um, I'm coming back for you, but I'm gonna go to Minnesota and start start doing some, uh, you know, build a practice. And then, uh, and I don't know, maybe she believed me or not, I don't know, but that's how that went, and I went to Minnesota. <laughs> Hi there, welcome to the podcast of MindFit. I'm your host, Brandon Jackson, and I have a good friend of mine, Jeff Larson. He is the owner of MD Wealth Partner. That's right. Thanks for having me. Or, thanks for having me. Having me. Actually, technically, no, thanks for having me, because I'm actually you at your house. My favorite, <laughs> so. You're welcome for coming in. Uh, we're here. We just got lunch served to us uh, by Breadco, and we were just talking about how easy it is to get food nowadays. Sit on your can, in your recliner, order food. Not even pizza though. Like not it used to be food. just pizza. That's healthy. Food. Now it's healthy food. We have Breadco or Panera. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Jeff, thanks for being on. Yeah, I've been trying pleasure. to track you down for a few weeks, and you had you had an hour carved out for me. I am humbled and honored. Thank you. Don't get a big head. You should. <laughs> you shouldn't be. Shouldn't be uh, thinking it's hard to carve out an hour. The fact that we have no kids here for an hour is impressive. That's that is part. impressive because I do know your family because you have five kiddos all under the age of yeah. ten next uh, ten, 10 next month. So right now under nine. Under nine. Five. Guys, do you hear that? Five kiddos under nine years old. That's a whole lot of diapers at yeah. one time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get all their dates right because they just all turned into birthdays. So uh, Mackenzie's going to be, she'll be 11 actually. So yes. Yeah, Okay, so let's 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 peel it back. Let's just get some. Uh, let's just lay the groundwork here. You're married to Kim for how long? Jeez, uh, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, man. It'll be 14 years in July. 14 years in July. Congratulations, because yeah. because that just doesn't happen often no. nowadays. Um, and so you have five kiddos. You don't have to mention yeah. their names if you don't want. If you do, yeah. that's right. Um, and they're yeah. three, five, seven, nine. And soon to be 11, so she's 10. Soon to be So we had a girl, boy, boy, girl, girl. Right, right. Yeah. So I met you, your wife just texted Melanie and me uh, a few days ago, and she said, this weekend, now I I feel bad, because you guys are some of our dearest friends, and I should know this. I'm curious if you knew this. I'm holding you to it. <laughs> she said, uh, this Memorial Weekend will be the date of, it will mark seven years that we've known each other. Is that the barbecue we had? I don't know. Probably was, where that guy dumped his motorcycle in front of the house. Oh my, yes. was that it? I think so. And, and it told me about who you were because you actually ran over and helped him pick it up. And I was just like, that just happened. <laughs> I kind of froze a little bit. <laughs> Okay, well, anyhow, so, yeah, seven, so seven years. So, um, <clears throat> you guys did not live here. You guys lived on the, you lived in Jefferson County, That's where right. I grew up. Should have stayed there. The taxes were better. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? So, um, tell me a little bit about your uh, your upbringing. You have a family sure. of you know, mom and yeah. dad, you know, brothers. No, no. Yeah, sisters. born and raised in uh, St. Louis, so North County. So, the uh, question everybody asked, I went to Hazelwood Central. I think it's still open, um, but we're not sure it was on its last leg when we were leaving. Um, two older brothers, we're all 19 months apart, and yeah, I kind of grew up similar to the way you did, which is kind of a neighborhood raised us. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, my mom stayed home, 
Um, and we didn't like to be inside, so we just kind of ran around. There were a bunch of us in the neighborhood, and it was a good upbringing, had a lot of fun, and ended up going to, to school um, in Southern California, which is where I met Kim, and then uh, somehow ended up back in St. Louis. So Don't they all? Yeah, it's don't, like a, don't we all? It's a black hole. Right? You can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> so you went to, uh, the, no, the, the school was Biola, right? Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, Bible Institute of Los Angeles. And that's what it stands for. You probably didn't know that. I did not know that. Yeah. 1908. That's right. It was downtown Los Angeles. By the time we went there, uh, it was located um, in Brea, Fullerton area, kind of by the Angel Stadium. Okay. Yeah. So a little more suburbs. Okay. All right. And you studied what? Psychology. Psychology. Are you reading me right now? I am. I do, I actually, actually, I knew, I knew that that's what you studied. But uh, do you find that? Do you, do you use your degree on, um, and we're going to get into more of like yeah. actually what you do, but do you use that degree? At, be honest. Do you use it at all? I don't think you can. I don't think I can't. Um, I was never big into education. I really didn't enjoy it too much or very good at it. And so finding something that actually engaged me through college was pretty important um wanted to do uh, more forensics stuff but they didn't have that program so psychology was the next option and i don't know i mean anytime you can figure out what makes it tick and what makes other people tick it's you know life is about relationships and psychology kind of fits and flows through through all of that so um didn't go into it with any expectation that i would use it professionally but it was enough of an interest to keep me going to class yeah so you had an interesting way through high school and getting out of high school. You, tell me if I'm wrong, you graduated a little early, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You were working, going to night school. How did that work? Because yeah, it's unusual. I mean, I would have never thought to do that. Well, you're an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have that choice. When you play in a band for the athletes, you have more opportunities. <laughs> Plus, you're usually getting stuffed in lockers, so you try to avoid school. Um, now, so, so I always wanted, it's kind of started with me wanting to be a police officer. That's what I've always wanted to be. If you go back to any of the, you know, when you're eight years old, they ask you, what do you want to do when you grow up? If you looked at any of the stuff you found uh, from my past, it always said police officer. In fact, I found one from junior high. It said LAPD. It's pretty specific. I mean, I've never been to California at that point, so it's kind of funny. Are you are you referring to like those personality tests you take, or like... this is before that? This is me being like a six, seven, eight year old when you ask your little kid like, "What do you want to do oh. when you grow up?" Okay. Always police officer. Always that. And I don't okay. have any police officers in the family. I have no idea why. That sounded entertaining, um, but that's what I wanted to do. And and as as you know, you can go into the academy right out of high school. Um, but I knew my parents wanted me to um, to go to uh, to college. I don't know if it was necessarily for the education. I think they just wanted me to have the experience of you know being out of the house. All that to say is um, kind of create a little anxiety in my mind that I'm going to have people going to the academy at 18 and they're going to have four year jump start on me. And I kind of I, I didn't jive too well. I wanted to be able to get there as quickly as possible, but you know had the education too. So uh, knowing that um, I stopped playing sports um, in high school uh, my sophomore year, and instead of doing sports, I would go to community college. So I finished high school, and then I would go to community college at night. 
so by the time I went to uh, Biola, I went in almost, almost as a junior. I had gotten all of my GEs done. I mean, I had scuba diving for my PE credits. I scuba dived in a pool, right? I mean, it's silly stuff that you'd rather pay a community college if you could. So I got that stuff done, and then um, I was able to chart out, uh, you know, psychology had, I think, 130 credits, and then Biola requires you to do a Bible as a minor. So you have to get those two. So I was able to chart out two years uh, to be able to get through all my all my undergrad work. And so that I got to pause you for a second. <clears throat> How many years were you at Biola? Uh, two. Okay, I was going to make sure that yeah. you weren't there for four. Again. No, no, no. I was there for two years, um, and you know, was, I, I did anywhere between twenty-one and twenty-five credits a semester. Which again, it's not. It's not because I'm intelligent. I didn't graduate with some cum laude. I can't spell cum laude, but I got through it. And the way I did was, I knew this would probably go back to kind of this whole, how does your mind work? The way I got through it is, I kind of mapped it out to say, look, again, the end goal is to be done by 20. I want to be done with my undergrad at 20. I want to be able to go compete um, to be a, a police officer, and I want to have a degree. So that was kind of the end goal. And to get there, I knew I couldn't do 21 to 25 credits a semester unless I had a, a, a job that allowed me to do some homework. There's just no way I could swing it. Um, again, I wasn't an athlete, you know, so I didn't have to go play sports for five hours a day or travel. So I found a um, job uh, being campus safety. And so basically, I, I was the operator. So I was the guy at night, if you guys had a call, any of the students called in, um, I was the one watching the campus at night. So I don't know if that was a good thing to make people feel comfortable. But, okay, so uh, hold on. This is a Christian campus. Uh-huh. Any, any weird stuff that you see on, on camera? Oh, is it pretty a straight and narrow school? No, there's some, there are some things you see which uh, could be uncomfortable because you have to call it in uh, to the officers that are actually patrolling the campus. And at the time I was working was when all the new uh, videos went in. So we got to monitor everything. Um, but probably the best part about being campus safety was that all of my friends um, were able to tell me like what, what they were, you know, pranks, typical college pranks. And I could watch it all happen. That's great. And then they would, they would call it in. I would call it in to the officers who are really good friends of mine. And they would always be a step behind my friends. <laughs> so it was funny because my You were slow at calling. I was a little slow at calling. But it was funny. <laughs> So that job allowed me to, to do my homework, basically. So I worked from 11 o'clock at night to 7 in the morning. So from, whatever, 2 to 5 in the morning, 1 to 5 in the morning, there's nothing going on. So I just did my homework. Um, so that was the only way I got to, so all, all going back to, you know, how did that all play out? It was all because I wanted to be a police officer. <laughs> okay, so you were, you were extremely, extremely driven um, all to be a police officer. That's it, yeah. That was it. You were Pretty trying simple. to get through school quickly so you could get in the academy. The faster you graduated, the faster yep. you get to the academy. Yeah. That was the whole plan the whole time. That was it. Well, you're not a police officer. I'm not. You left school. How quickly did you know that you weren't going to be a police officer? Pretty quick. I mean, like I said, I made a lot of relationships with, with the officers on campus who also went through LASD, Los Angeles, or um, the Sheriff's Department, LASD. And I did ride-alongs, I had all the relationships, but at the time I, I left Biola, I graduated, um, 
there was a hiring freeze in all of LA for police officers. So um, it was unfortunate because literally when I graduated, the hiring freeze went into place. Um, and about a month later, of course, me being you know who I am, I'm, I'm obviously following up with my friends. Hey, is there opening? Is there anything? Is there anything I can do? Like I got a psychology degree. I'm 20, right? Whatever. And uh, they said no. But what put me over the edge was they actually did make a hire during the freeze. And it was, I don't even know the politically correct way to say it, but they didn't choose the person based on um, skill set or anything like that. It was just more of a quota they had to hit. And that was enough to frustrate me to say, you know what, I'm not even, I'm not interested in this stuff. I want to play games. I worked hard. I mean, imagine, right, since six, seven years old, I always wanted to be this. And I finally arrived and I was there. And then I find out, like, what? This is how this works. This is the real world, right? You were disappointed. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I don't want to. I don't want to devote my life to. And, and it may have been just a one-off thing, but it was enough to to really frustrate me to say, you know, um, if it opens, it opens. I'm the type of person. If a door opens, I'll walk through it. If it closes, I probably won't kick it through. I just kind of move on. And that was a door closed in my, in my um, belief. And uh, and so yeah, that was how quickly did I know I was going to be a police officer? Well, pretty quick after that. That was a kind of an immediate thing. Okay, so <clears throat> that is it really when you graduate. That's when that, all that happened? It's all happened, yeah. Okay, so you, you know that you're like, well, I'm not going to be a police officer. I'm tired of playing these games. Then what? So at that time, um, I'm, I'm kind of open to anything. Um, and uh, so I ended up calling uh, one of my brothers who I had not seen in a long time. And he was in Minnesota. And so... Um, figured I'd go visit him, and um, so I did. I went, went and visited uh, him, and and after about two days, I was pretty bored sitting in his house. And he happened to be in the finance industry, so he was just getting started out in his practice, and um, I was sitting in his house bored. So I decided to go to work with him one day, and well, that I never ended up leaving. So that was, uh, as I said, I, if a door is open, I usually walk through it. If it closes, I don't kick it through, but. That door opened, and I just got licensed, and and then I just started uh, started a practice. Okay. So you're in Minnesota. You're up there for how long? So you've gotten it, you're getting into finance. So mm-hmm. is it fair to say when we say finance? I mean, is that is that a broad term? Very. I mean, I very. But yeah. you were specifically into financial, financial advising, financial planning. Okay. Of, you know, with all kinds of people or a specific group of people. So there was a, a new group. It's going to be it was physicians, and there was a, the group that my brother worked for at the time. They had three um, partners that had just started working with physicians, and my brother happened to be getting trained by one of those partners. And so as a result, we just kind of jumped into working with physicians. So that was kind of our niche, and it was new back in two thousand and you know four. So um, we. Uh, we started working at niche and just basically helping, you know, doctors. So I was up in Minnesota for a year, mind you. Um, I had left California and, and I had already started dating Kim. Okay. So now I'm living in another place, and we weren't engaged when I left to Minnesota. And did she stay in LA? She did. She had some more time to, to finish her her degree, and so because she didn't, she wasn't two years out of high school with all that credits. No, she's a perfectionist. She had credits <laughs> straight A, so. Um, she wouldn't be able to do it with the speed if it gets straight A's. Um, so, so for that, it was interesting because, I again, I had gone to visit my brother, and that was only for like a week or two, and I never ended up leaving. But I had to come back to L.A. to get my stuff. When I came back to L.A., you know, and get my stuff, uh, Kim and I, 
had a conversation. I think it was at a Denny's right outside of John Wayne Airport. And this is how foolish or how um, overconfident I am. I just I said, listen, we're going to get married. We're not engaged. Um, I'm coming back for you, but I'm going to go to Minnesota and start start doing some, uh, you know, build a practice. And then, uh, and I don't know, maybe she believed me or not. I don't know, but that's how that went. And I went to Minnesota. <laughs> and uh, so I started my practice and, and we, we slowly started to build out our own practices to where we, um, the black hole sucked us back to St. Louis. And St. Louis was a very strategic place because it happens to be in the middle of the country and I've got huge medical schools everywhere around yeah. me. Within driving distance, when you have no money, you can just go places. And so... Big hospitals here too. Big hospitals. And so fast forward, Kim and I um, actually met up in St. Louis. We got married in you know July and... Um, moved to St. Louis like the same weekend, and and then we had relocated to St. Louis's home back in back in 2006. St. Louis's home. Okay, so that was 2006. Mm-hmm. 2006. Uh, at this time, do you and your brother start your your own thing? Are you yeah. separate now from from? Uh, yeah. So so in 2005 we we got married, right? And then in 2006, uh, my brother and I split off from the company in Minnesota mm-hmm. and we decided to, to kind of start our own shop and so we did that from May 20 holy moly uh, May 25th 2006 today was the anniversary how about that so in May 25th of 2006 we uh, we started our own company just the two of us and uh, you know he he went to Wash U and I went to St. Louis University and we just Started working. Started working. We had no company, no salary, no. You just have a credit card and you try to get physicians to to listen to you. Right. Um, so yeah, that was uh, 2006. Since that, I mean, we'll go through more of it, obviously. But uh, so now, uh, fast forward August of 2017, um, I have kind of transitioned into a different role, different company, started a new company. Yeah. And um, you know more more opportunities there but yeah so 2006 that's when we started our first okay. company how long did it take you to get your first where you're like dang this person actually signed they're with me <laughs> the, okay we're, yeah. we're together now yeah when was it day week month we, we were fortunate we were uh, we were within weeks yeah so again it's probably the overconfidence that I shouldn't have but uh, I you know I do believe in taking care of, of others um but at the same time, I didn't have the experience. But yeah, weeks. And, and something else was, um, Kim was working at a restaurant to, to pay the bills because I didn't have any income. And when we broke off on May 25th, I was like, babe, I don't, I don't have any help. Like I need someone to process applications. I have nothing. And so I actually walked into the restaurant. I remember, the, I remember like it was yesterday. And um, I told her, I said, look, we just left our company. Um, and we got to hustle it, you know, right away. I said, I need you to work in the office with me. And obviously I can't pay you. This is for us. Right. And so she's like, okay, after this, she's like, no, 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 like right now, like you have to leave right now. We have to like go to now. <laughs> so we had a conversation. Uh, what was her face like? Is she, she like, was okay, like, really? This is happening. <laughs> I mean, she obviously knew that I was, you know, leaving the company and starting our own. So she knew that was happening. It just wasn't the time. I don't think. But anyways, her manager, who loved her, 
he starts crying. He pulled us in this little tiny closet room. He's smoking. Do you mind if I smoke? He's like, kind of, but um, I guess it's your, your office. So he's tiny little closet office. He's crying. And anyways, so Kim leaves. And she's, she's my assistant at this point. So yeah, we just started hustling and, um, you know, trying to get clients. Your mindset is, is just pure hustle. Yeah, I mean, you work, you work your way backwards. Like, what do we need to survive, right? And so, um, you know, that means, I mean, in any business, you have to know what your model is. And my business was I needed to, to survive. And so there's a dollar amount that I have to get. And if every doctor is worth X amount, then I have to get, let's say, you know, uh, one per month. If I'm going to get one per month, that means I have to meet with five. If I'm going to meet with five, that means i got to sit down with ten. If I'm going to sit down with ten, got to make sure I invite. And I work it all the way back to, I knew exactly how many people I had to, had to contact and invite out to a dinner or something on a daily basis. So I had my goals that were set by the day, and I had my end result, what I had to get to. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's just the just numbers, just trying to figure out where you got to be. And and like baseball for you, I mean, there's just certain things you have to do. Like when you're working out, it's, it's not a question of am I going to get there. It's just, I have to get there to survive. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like Cortez, right? You burn the ship. You don't have anywhere else to go. You you either drown or you will learn how to swim and then build a boat in the ocean. Like it's. I work in extremes, and, and that helps a guy like me. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that was it. But, I, again, I never had a mindset of, well, if this doesn't work out, I never had. There was never a moment, kind of like marriage, like if this doesn't work out, that doesn't enter our relationship and our conversation. No different than the business. Okay, because we've had, we've had several conversations off the record of in your early years, it was work, 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 mm-hmm. and it was important to you. Yeah, I definitely was on a, on a in a place where I was just 100% work. But again, it wasn't because I I do like to work, but it was a necessity. It, we didn't have any other options. So, I, yeah, I missed most of McKenzie's first you know three years. And as soon as I got through survival, which it's somewhat subjective, but as a business owner, you kind of know. Uh, as soon as I was there, I was um, priorities changed, and I didn't have I don't have that bone in my body to. Um, to, to flip that to, to where work is my number one priority you know so now it was for a couple of years though I mean it was definitely 90 90 hours a week I mean again I went to school basically working all night and sleep two hours and go to class at nine o'clock so you were used to that yeah but you know you nap throughout the day take a little power nap here and there but you know when you're again I was 21 22 so I mean you can do that at that age some people can do it now but I can't <laughs> You know I can't. Whatever. You get up at like 3 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just looking to go to bed at that time. Uh, But anyway, you've branched off within the last year, right? Yes, August 2017, yeah. Okay, so coming up on a year. And you're kind of doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. And are you still involved with doctors? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a, a handful of families. My, ha- I mean, about a hundred physician families that kind of count on me to, to basically be the point of contact for everything. Um, and so, for those families, um, I very much handle all their day to day stuff. But in terms of bringing on a ton of new clients in that same capacity, um, I don't, I don't do that as much. So, what I was interested in doing is getting into a space that. Um, you know, with, with any business, you kind of, you continue to look for things that you like to do, things that are valuable to others, and things that are profitable, right? All, thing, all of those have to 
to be met. And for me, um, finding the, the, the private equity world, which is kind of another broad stroke, what does that even mean? Basically, I was getting to the point where, where my clients and myself as well were, were looking for opportunities that were beyond the public market. Meaning, look, I, I understand that the market, the stock market, the mutual funds, the academics, and that's always been great, and that's where the majority, the main of the plane is, so to speak. But there's this other world that I wasn't accessing, it's the private equity world, that I knew about, but I hadn't actually engaged it. And so I wanted to get into the private equity world. An example that would be, there are opportunities across the country all the time that need funding, um, and they don't go to the public for it. So there are projects, whether it's real estate, gas, oil, whatever it might be, that need money, and we have it. And so I bring my clients' uh, wealth to that world, and we fund these projects. And in return, we get you know, handsome you know, uh, returns. That's what we're shooting for. Sure. So is that different than uh, a venture capitalist? A little bit, because a lot of the venture capitalists want to come in and actually want to run the company. They want okay. to actually run. I'm not looking to run it. In fact, I'm trying to divest myself of having to run things. I'm actually looking to let other people with track records of 40, 50, 60 years of running what they do well, um, I'm looking for them to continue to run and do it well, but we just bring more cash and say, keep doing what you do really well, here's some more money, go do it with my money. Got it. So is your job now uh, more of just looking for opportunities? So that's part of it. For opportunities, and then when the opportunities come up, then you present them to your clients. Right. So I have to do the due diligence as well as my broker-dealer. So my platform, my back office, my broker-dealer, that's what they specialize in, is doing due diligence for private equity. If it makes it through their process, then I get the call. And when I get the call, then I'll go out and visit the sites and I'll look at them myself. Um, I gather that information. Then I'll go back to my clients, and then I'll integrate that project potentially into their plan. Some of my clients are looking for tax deductions. Some of them are looking for income. Some of them are looking for value, big payoffs in the future. It's kind of like a, a candy shop for kids. It's what, what do you want as a client? And so I just bring all of that information and I know them really well. So therefore I can kind of cut through the um, minutia to get to what I think they would be most interested in. And then they make a decision. It's their money. I'm sure. just trying to remove as much risk as I can. Right. Fascinating, because that wasn't happening a few years ago, really. No, no, not at all. Um, but like anything, you the longer you do something, the more opportunities you find. So, okay. <laughs> so how is your thinking uh, now since you've kind of, I mean, you've, you're moving into a, a, a whole other world. Mm -hmm. Is it, um, uh, it's got to be pretty exciting. I love just it. it's just it's it's different. It's something new. Sure. You're probably learning a ton yeah. as you go along too. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't know if your clients want to know. No, I tell <laughs> them. I tell them like, look, you're not buying me. Um, you know, you're you're buying track records. You're buying companies that do know exactly what they're doing. What you're buying. I mean, for me, I'm going out there to understand it, to learn it. But I'm also out there, you know watching how these people interact with their employees. Um, you know, for example, I, I met with a, a gentleman in New York uh, who was a self-made billionaire, and I was as I was speaking, it kind of started coughing, and uh, without asking, one of the employees walked in there, 
and offered him some hot tea. And instead of just continuing the conversation with me, who just had flown in to meet with him, uh, he stopped into the conversation with this employee. Now you might think, well, of course this person brought tea, like he's the boss. Um, maybe, I don't know. But I do know that he stopped the conversation with me to carry one on with, with her about the weekend and those sort of things. And so what it told me, I think, what I, what I gathered from that was the employees respect their boss enough to notice the little things. And the boss respects the employees enough to know this company is only as good as the employees that are, that are serving this company. And uh, it wasn't, um, it, was very, it was very authentic. And so that's what I'm, I get the privilege of being there on boots on the ground. And it's as much of a study of a person that it is the business. And mm -hmm. so that's what my clients get to, they don't have the ability to just fly around everywhere because they're busy in the OR or the surgeries, right? That's what they're asking me to go do. And I have the access to these people. And so, um, but no, to your point, yeah, I, I am learning a ton. I knew real estate really well. Um, Already, I'm learning more than I ever, you know, thought in that space. But you know, as far as gas and oil and other energy sectors, it's a whole other world. We're turning swine manure into um, into sellable energy uh, to Chesapeake. Like, are you kidding me? Like, swine manure produces carbon dioxide. And we're turning it into to gas and we're selling it. Like, who knew? Right? I'm having fun learning that stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I'm loving it, having a blast, and I, and it's really important to me that, that my clients get uh, the best due diligence as they can, and I think you do that by boots on the ground. Are you always looking for new clients, or you're like, no, that's what I got? interesting question. I don't, I don't know if I have a, a great answer for that, because again, this is fairly new for me. Uh, what I do know is I've got five young children, um, and I've got you know, you know, a wife that I... I have a very limited time with with this with these kids in the home with me. So I, I I'm really um, my heart my heart is to be there, but I also know that I've got a job to do. And I've got about a hundred families that are depending on me to do my job, and I can do that really well. I've got great systems, and I'm very confident with that. To your question, what about new clients? I don't have an answer for that yet. Um, a good one. My simple answer is. If it works in the schedule and, and I feel like I've got the ability to go and do a due diligence trip and go see, you know, I'll be um, in Pennsylvania two weeks and, and I'll go into New York next week. If I have the ability to go out there and do the due diligence, great. Um, and if not, because there's graduations or there's kids, uh, plays and all that stuff, I'll probably just wait and, um, you know, I always get the phone call. It's just whether or not I get my boots on the ground there. So. I don't know. Um, just kind of enjoying it right now, and and I, and I know that people work super hard for the dollars. So I want to make sure that if I'm going to give a recommendation, I've had the, the ability to do uh, my due diligence. So, how do you uh, take that approach of letting people know of of your value? I mean, it starts with actually believing it. You know, right? I mean, it's not something that you can talk yourself into. You either believe you're worth it or you don't. And that transcends through, through a lot of places in life. But as it pertains to the job, um, I have a very, a very small uh, sector in which I'm, I'm very good at, and I know what I'm good at. Whether it's um, the discipline that allows me to do the things that I do, or it's my, my capacity in my brain to actually understand certain concepts. There are other things that, you know, the joke always, you know, 
I can't screw a light bulb in. That's a fair statement. Um, I might be able to if I could figure out how to open the ladder, but I, that's another problem. So how do I the value add? I mean, you just know what you're good at, and um, and, I, and it starts with the belief. And so I just let people know, like, look, this is what I do. I heard you said you have an issue or you have this desire to, to accomplish something, and I happen to be a good uh, fit for that, and this is what I do. Outside of that, I'm not in a place where I'm surviving anymore. So whether or not somebody quote buys my value, buys me, um, it, it, I'm not driven that way. Um, I don't work just to, to accomplish an end destination. It's uh, to me, it's a relationship, and so yeah. And I just, I guess, I just believe in my in myself and what I can offer. That's the mindset. I just, I believe I'm that good in this department. Yeah. And it is what it is. It's a small department, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put, is the IRS determines. Um, who can uh, participate in these projects and who cannot. And so the simple answer is you have to be what they call an accredited investor. And all that means is if you're married, you gotta make over $300,000 a year or have a million dollar net worth, not including your home. If you're single, you have to make more than $200,000 a year and still have a million dollar net worth, not including your home. So the simple answer is, look, if there's someone listening that's interested in these types of opportunities, um, I'm always interested in sharing. Like it says, a journey, you're having fun. Who doesn't like to talk about the things that they have fun with? Um, and so I am, I'm having a, a lot of fun with it. And if, if there are people out there that are interested in that capacity, then absolutely I can point them in the right direction. So, um, yeah. You are, we're, we're, I'm going to finish with this. You're in the middle of rebranding. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that new brand is what? So, so we're called MD Wealth Partner. The, the idea with that was to let physicians know that um, we still know that world, but it was limited. It was limited to only physicians. And what I found in the private equity world is you get a lot better discounts and negotiating power when you bring more money to the table, right? That's kind of a no-brainer. Well, physicians make a lot of money, but they also have a lot of expenses because of education, the bigger house, etc., and taxes kill them. All that to say is um, I really was, was looking for bigger dollars, which... Um, allow myself and the physicians to get better discounts. And so the quote big dollars come a lot of times from business owners. Well, business owners are going to look at this and say, MD, well, that's kind of confusing. It's just, do you only work with doctors? And, and so I knew initially that I, that I wanted to, to work outside of just that scope for the benefit of all of us, but it's going to take me a time, some time. And so, um, you know, my partner and I, we've been working on some rebranding and, and we came up with, uh, you know, the, the company that's been helping us, we came up with the, with the name 25. Now, 25 represents that 25th hour in the day that nobody gets, but we offer it to you. Uh, 25 is limitless. It's not something that um, people will put me in a box and say, this is as far as you can grow. 25 is kind of, kind of feels exclusive. It sounds, sounds kind of fun, kind of sexy. Like, what is that? And, and so we want to be in a place where we're in our own blue waters. You've heard that said before. It's like, we don't operate in the red waters, the shark-infested financial advisors, wealth managers, old stuffy stuff. Like, we're, we're in blue waters and we're offering something that people actually want and they don't know where to find it. And so 25 kind of represents that, um, that experience. So we're really excited about that. We'll roll it out in probably about six to eight weeks. Uh, the logo actually just got uh, completed last week and the color schematics are sitting in my inbox right now. We're sitting with them for a week to see what we like the most. Um, but we're super excited. So that branding will, will be completed um, soon. 
and our clients are, are aware of it. They helped us shape that. That all came from a lot of the surveys they took, and so we're really grateful for, for their feedback as well. But uh, it's going to make it um, fantastic for all of our clients that are looking to continue to get into these opportunities because they all benefit from a lot of these bigger um, clients, bigger fish that are, that are coming alongside of us. Yeah, I like that. I really do. And you could tell that you thought on it for a while because you had a good description of what that even meant. I mean, good. you rattled it off. It was good. Good. Way to go, yeah, man. We're, we're pretty so, um, does that mean the website's going to be different? It'll go live. Yeah. I mean, that'll, yeah. It'll okay, be... so what will that website be? If people are interested. I think it'll be 25.com. 25. Is that a 25 or is it spelled out 25? 2.5. We're efficient, man. We don't like the idea of having to spell a whole lot of man, things. Man, I like that. It makes it easy on customers. Yeah. I like 25.com. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quick. Yeah. I mean, if I had to, especially if I use I use two index fingers typing. Yeah, well. Yeah. I'm out. At 25 spelling that out, I'm, I'm done. You got it right. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, good for you. So if people that have that criteria mm -hmm. of being a, a, a credit investor, investor yep. that's how they can get a hold of you. That's it. And I'm sure your information will be on that. Your personal information will be on that yeah. uh, website and they can just absolutely email you or get a hold of you at some capacity. It, it'll be obvious, I'm sure. Right? They could see me laying on the floor in your gym too. I'm that guy that's looking up at the pull-up bar. <laughs> Remember that time they told me to do the baseline? Um, which is, ends with pull-ups, and I thought it was a big deal and I could do it. And yeah. I'm laying down on my back, looking up at the pull-up bar. Hey, you were struggling, right? I, oh, yeah, I was struggling when you said go. And and I said, I can't, I can't feel my legs. And Margaret so uh, thoughtfully said, well, you don't use your legs when you do pull-ups. I said, that's fair, but I can't actually get up to the pull-up bar. <laughs> so if anyone's looking for me, I'll be that guy laying on my back in the gym. But no, appreciate you having me. And, yeah. Uh, and and I do. I, I, I want to make sure I get you at the end of the summer because I'm curious to see the new branding, yeah. how that's taken off. Are you feeling good about it? You know, as the months go on, and uh, I'm curious to see how things go these okay. through the summer and, and whatnot. So Excited. anyway, we're, I'm going to have you back on if you would be graciously to uh, accept. Yeah, absolutely. Long and, and, two likes on this thing. Yeah, that's good. I like and you like it. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, that's it. Uh, folks, thanks for uh, tuning in. And this guy's quite a guy. He's a good friend of mine, and, and I'm grateful for his friendship. And um, that's it, my man. I thanks, man. appreciate you and your entire family. So until then, thank you for everyone that is uh, listening to this, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.